Scott Sharp, welcome. Good afternoon. How are things? Yeah, they're pretty, pretty good, actually. Had a good week? Absolutely fantastic, relaxing weekend and a lovely week ahead of me. I'm so, why, why is it lovely? What's happening? Something good? Well, Just, it's going to stop raining for a little while. It is, actually, which will be rather nice. Give us a chance to dry out. That, that's good enough for me. What's on the show today, Scotty? I thought we'd give a good old plug to uh, up the uh, Maitland Ork- and Coalfields Orchid Society. They do lovely shows, and uh, it's a black art, and you need to go up there and recognise the black art of orchid growing. So we'll Black get- art. Ooh, <laughs> tell me more. We'll get into that. So we'll give them a plug. We'll talk about uh, preparing your uh, beds for new season roses, what to do with herbs as it gets colder, and if you've got the blues, you can also get them in your garden as well. So we'll talk about that. Scott, you described it as a dark art, the art of growing. Growing orchids. Is this sort of a mythical thing or what's going on? No, no, it's just, just me rubbishing on. I'd look, I, But I do think it is a bit of a dark art to do it properly and do it perfectly. I don't know what they do to the orchids to make them so spectacular, but they, I think it's just years and years of experience in the end and talking to each other and, you know, did you do this, did you do that? And because, you know, you're at, I've, I've had them in the garden and sometimes they'll just, you know, pop back up and they'll do all right. And other times they'll just sit there and be green for, you know, two or three years in a row. But the orchid guys at Mayf- Mayf- uh, Maitland and Coal Fields uh, District Orchid Society, they just know what they're talking about. And the good thing is they're really happy to talk to any punter uh, and teach them how to do it so that that dark art can be passed on. Sounds like Harry Potter, doesn't it? does, it? doesn't yeah, it? I yeah. like it. Uh, expelliosa. So <laughs> how do we go about looking at these orchids, where are they having it at? Well, this uh, coming Saturday and Sunday up at uh, St James Church Hall uh, in Morpeth, they're having oh. a, a show over those two days. Starts at nine and goes to four on Saturday and nine to three on Sunday. Uh, look, they'll have orchids for sale. They'll have all the growers up there. There'll be a big display so you can actually go and see. They'll be only too happy to talk to you about it and uh, you know, show you what to do if you're having any problems. I probably wouldn't take your orchids up there with you because they wouldn't want disease and stuff spread around. But the, <laughs> I've bought my uh, orchid. Can you tell me what you think of it? Yes, it's too happy. <laughs> Even if you've got problems with your orchid, take some photos on your phone and chuff it up there and they'll be able to have a look at that and say, oh, there's something wrong with this. You can do that. You can do this. And hopefully you will be initiated into the dark art as Of well. orchid growing. Beautiful, beautiful things. Philippa from Bulladila has black spot on her peas. Hello and welcome, Philippa. Hello. How can we help you with your peas and cues, Philippa? Yeah, the leaves on the peas have all got black spots. It sounds like some sort of fungal disease that start. you know, usually on, on peas, uh, they'll get downy mildew on them, which is like a white, almost fluffy thing. But after it gets quite bad, it, that, that's probably the way it's going to manifest itself. And that's just because of the incredibly wet weather we're having and the, you know, the, the weird and wonderful conditions. I would get a product called uh, copperoxychloride, which is a, a fungicide, and spray that on the peas. It's safe to use on edible plants. And that should, it won't actually fix up the little black marks on there, but it should protect uh, against any further fungal disease. Also, if you want to, you can mix it up in the watering can and drench the soil uh, in the area as well, just to try and, uh, you know, kill any fungal spores that might be there. So that's copper oxychlorophyll. Chlor- chlor- yeah, chlor- chloride. Chloride. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chloride. Good okay. on you, and Philippa. Any go- oh, oh, hold on, yes. hold on, hold on. Um, my compost tape, I've got hoo-hoo bags in it. Okay, uh, and so you, you just want to get rid of those? Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you, oh, now, how, um, how organic are you about your compost heap? Oh, 
very <laughs> or not so yeah. Yeah. agree uh, strongly disagree or disagree look what i was going to say is if you need to get rid of any um you know bugs like that in, in your compost you'd you mix up uh you know some sort of insecticide and actually drench it through uh you could get some uh, pyrethrum and mix that up into watering can it's you know it's it's naturally derived so it, it's not really going to wreck up you know any organic uh uh, you know, aspirations you've got for the compost heap and actually drench that through there. That should get rid of any bugs or, that are in there and clear Look, it up for you. I see. If I, if I just got lazy, could I spray them oh, fly yeah, spray? Yeah, oh, probably not fly spray. That's going to be worse. Even if you went and got a pyrethrum spray to keep it organic, that would be the best way to go yeah, for I've you. Yeah, I've got pyrethrum spray. Yeah, I'd use that then. Okay, then. Okay, thank you, Philippa. Thank you. Cheers. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM 49216216 is the telephone number. Pyrethrum, of course, from the daisy. It is, yes, from yes. the daisy. Yes, they mix it up and it works perfectly. It's a, a great uh, basis for any insecticide and it's natural to use. It's Gardening Talk back with Scott Sharp from Sharp's City Gardener at Alice Street, Merriweather. And we've got... Jennifer on the line from Patterson with lemons that have not fared well with all this wet weather. Jennifer, how can we help you with your rotten lemons? <laughs> yeah, you walk past the tree and they smell rotten. Oh. Yuck. So is it because of all the rain we've had? I'd say they've been just soaking up too much water. Citrus can be quite susceptible to uh, to changes in, in weather. You'll get uh, you know splitting of fruit because they, they draw up too much uh, water. And then if you get a sunny day, it can create splitting of fruit as well. You can get fruit drop, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Yeah, because... they just go off and then go mouldy and then they drop. Yeah, so it, it, it's going to you know bring fungal diseases into the area. So the best thing you can do is to try and just clean up those lemons, try and thin them out off the tree. Um, yep. Certainly get all the ones that are on the ground. They'll be uh, rotting away and making a pretty putrid old mess for you. Yep. Uh, so yeah, definitely clean those up. And uh, I'd be just hoping that you get a better season next year. Yep. No worries. Yeah, sorry I can't uh, you know give you any more than that except a big sponge perhaps to soak up <laughs> all that water you've had up there. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. Cheers, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I think it's a case of suck it up, lip sip suck with the lemon. Oh, Can't do anything more than that. There's nothing you can do about, you know, when you have these sorts of very unusual seasons, is there, Scott? You really can't. But you, it, it doesn't even take, you know, what we had a few weeks ago to do that sort of damage to citrus. You can just have, you know, sudden downpours and then a hot day the next day and it'll draw up all this water and then, the, you know, the skin of the, of, the, uh, of the citrus will burst and uh, it's wrecked up the fruit for you for that season. Wrecked up, I like that. Mm. Can I have permission to use that on the radio? Can. You've yeah. wrecked it up now. Yep. <laughs> Are the roses going to be wrecked by all this weather as well? What's happening with new season roses? Roses and, and just generally the rose. We're coming into rose season, aren't we? We are. Do you want me to use more technical terms than wrecked up? Or? No, I like that. <laughs> I, I'm encouraging you to use very technical terms like wrecked up. I just use words that I can actually understand myself. Oh, I'm with you on that. <laughs> if it comes it. out of my mouth, then chances are I actually know what it means. <laughs> no more, no less. <laughs> It is time. In about uh, three weeks' time, the bare root roses should be hitting the garden centres uh, around the city. The reason most uh, you know good garden centres will wait till then is because if they're dug too early, they don't tend to survive very well. So if uh, you go out and buy a rose from you know probably a big chain store or somewhere mm. like that, no mm. names, no pack drill around here, uh, and you've gone and bought it in April or even early May. The chances are that rose has probably been dug out of the ground, you know, 
even back in March. So this is a bare root rose. A bare root yeah, rose. Okay. Well, yeah. it's a long time for them to survive, isn't it? And what happens? They're not actually dormant by that stage. No. So reputable garden centres will wait as long as possible before they get their roses. Now, look, yes, there are market forces. People start to come in and ask for them. So most places will go with, you know, the long weekend of June or the middle of June to start getting their roses in because that means they've been dug out at a, you know, a, a, a respectable sort of time. Yes, you know, yes. they're, they're not too shell-shocked by being by being dug out. And so you won't get a lot of dye back then. And that's the main thing uh, with uh, bare root roses. Once they're put in the ground, if they've been dug too early, you'll get a lot of dye back out of them. And that's just the stem going yellow, 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 yellow. Oh, no, it's not with us anymore. Yeah, we're back to the uh, soil and it's no good. Yeah. Just for you... The long weekend is not this weekend, but the following, I believe. Is that is that correct? It must be getting close to it. I'm pretty sure it's around there. I'll, I'll double check. I've always but... worked on long weekends, so I know not what long weekends mean. Oh, well, then. Yeah, it's yeah. not good for me. <laughs> well, anyhow, for the rest of for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Who can enjoy the long weekend. That's right, because we go and see people like you on the long weekend and go, excuse me, I'd like to buy some roses, please. So we, we don't fertilise, don't go and pour poultry manure or anything into the garden. Uh, a little bit of dolomite lime, turn over the soil. If you've got some compost, mix that into the area where you're going to put that rose. But you don't want to put anything too strong in there because once that bare root rose goes in the ground, all of a sudden it goes, oh, fantastic, I'm in the ground. I'm going to start growing again. And all its fine little hair roots shoot out if there's manure and stuff in the ground. It hits those, it burns them away, and you get the result of dieback in the plant again. So just a little bit of lime to sweeten the soil. If you've got any good compost, dig that through the soil to prepare your garden bed. But certainly no fertiliser, no rose food, poultry manure. That's for later on in the year. Okay. And the other roses, the ones that are already in the ground that are needing to be pruned... We can perhaps talk about those a little bit further down the track because they need different attention. They do, and, they? and again, you wait till they're completely dormant, usually later on in June, July. Sometimes we've even pruned at the start of August, uh, so you do wait some time before you do that, but we'll talk about that later on in the year. To a new RFM Gardening Talkback, Mark from Shortland. Hello. Hello there. How can we help you, Mark? I've got a rosella bush that I planted for my father. I think I got it um, late spring. He lives up Abermain. And it's died right back. Is, it, is that part of its natural cycle or is it dying on us? No, it, it shouldn't die back like that. I, I, from my memory, they're actually an evergreen plant, so it may well have just given up the ghost on you, unfortunately. Oh. Okay, well, thank you for the information. Um, That's all right. And I'll have to plan another one. The only thing I would say, Mark, is that they uh, like, uh, you know, well-drained spots. So make sure you put it into a well-drained spot. Uh, uh, if it's had too much water up there, that could be the problem with it. It might be the problem. Yeah. Okay, thank we, you very much. Mark, were you hoping to make rosella jam, just as a curiosity? No, my father likes dr- drying the mouth for the tea. Oh, Rosella, oh, tea, tea lovely. Yes, there's All a right. tea you can drink that oh, he's good. on at the moment. All right, excellent. Thanks for that, Mark. I believe you can, okay. turn, you can turn it into a jam as well, and it is quite a cute little flower. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah, I thought. So. It's, they, no, it's not a plant that produces birds. It's not the Rosella <laughs> bird plant, but there you are. Uh, delivering the news swiftly. It looks like it's dead. I love that. Scott, don't hold back, you know, don't worry. Poor man. Anyhow, he'll get over it, I'm sure. Helen, Hello. Hello. How can we help you, Helen? Oh, hi. Hi. How are you going? We're doing pretty well. That's good. Um, we'd love to be able to participate with your show. I've got two questions about rhubarb. Yes. 
my rhubarb is over 15 years old. Maybe it's at its end. But anyway, one is um, lots of small bits, uh, stringy bits in after I cook it, and the other is the leaves are curling up. So the leaves curling up could be merely insect infestation in there of some sort. It could be, you know, aphids, thrips. It could even be mites attacking rhubarb. Uh, so it, that could be worth giving it a spray to try and get that back under control. Oh, right. Yeah. So now for that, you'd use uh, eco oil, perhaps. That would work against uh, mites. Uh, yeah. If there's aphids and thrips in there, you'd need to use pyrethrum just so because it's an edible plant. You just have to be careful about I've what... I've got both of them, so, yeah. So, so I'd, I'd give those a try and see if the new growth, because you start to use it as preventative, if the growth is already curled up, it won't necessarily uh, you know, fix that, that growth up, but it will protect uh, any new growth coming out. So it's something you use now and again in a couple of weeks' time to try and rid the, uh, the area of the pest. Uh, and about the stringiness of the plant, I'm not sure about that. Do you think the plant is just um, you know, at its end? It could be, but rhubarb spreads out. I mean, how big's your patch now? So it's... it is basically just two. There was three. There's two left now, it, look, and my... it's not really getting any bigger over the time. But it's still uh... growing. I'm still getting, you know, a dozen or so leaves each time. So as it spreads out, it should be, you know, creating new uh, new stalks and, and new growth as it moves outwards, and and that's, you know, it regenerates itself like that. Uh, so if you've only got some clumps and they're not doing too well, it might be time to, you know, to get some new ones and uh, start again and you know, even in a big yeah. pot, try them there. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, I will try that with that. Okay, appreciate it, Helen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. I've got this burning urge to say rhubarb, rhubarb. <laughs> Such a lovely plant. Very, very nice. Cooked with a little bit of apple with custard in the winter. I was served chocos the other night. I love choco. Do not say a bad word about choco in my presence, Scott Sharp. Look, I I won't say a bad word about the choco, but essentially I think it's just a filler food that soaks up the taste of whatever has been cooked. Jude was was cooking for me that night, so unfortunately the taste it was soaking up was a little bit. Don't be nasty to your mother. Well, that's it, Scott Sharp. You and I part our ways and I just say goodbye because if you don't like choco, then, you know, that's it for us. I do like choco. It's just what it soaks up. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm a big fan of it. It's Gardening Talkback, Meryl Swanson with you with Scott Sharp this afternoon and we are talking, among other things, about rhubarb and I think Roger wants to know about pruning his impatience, Scott. Uh, How can we help you with your uh, impatience, Roger? (laughs) Well, they've gone mad. They're growing all over the place. Can you cut them back at this time of the year? You can cut them back. They're not going to grow back very quickly, though, unfortunately. As soon as the nights start to cool down, impatients stop growing. Obviously, they're a tropical plant. You know, that they've got that really fleshy uh, skin, uh, fleshy flesh, and they love soaking up water, and they love that, that humid tropical climate. So they won't grow very much at this year. So certainly give them a prune back. You probably won't get much growth out of them uh, if they are. But... If, you could just give them a very light tip prune just to keep them a little bit under control and you know almost thin them out so there's still some uh, you know leaves there but it will thicken up uh, you know over the next couple of months more slowly than you do it obviously uh, at the end of August or in September. Okay, thank you. Not a problem. Thank you very much for that. It's isn't it funny when people ring up and say I've got this thing going mad and I just need to cut it back and most of us are happy when things start to look very vigorous and healthy. 
It's just an unfortunate time for it to happen for Brawl Roger, though. It's you know, it's best if you you see things like that happening to prune them back, you know, a month and a half ago, so that it's filled back up and it's going to look all right through for you through winter. It's really just about the appearance through winter. It's not as if it's going to die on you. No, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like pruning marais. If you start to prune them now really heavily, they just look bare all through winter. But if you do them a month and a half ago, they've filled back out for you and they look all right all the way through winter. Speaking of getting cold overnight, it's getting down to four tomorrow night in the valley. That's where you live. Yes. Where I live, it's perfect. It's eight where you live (laughs) on the coast. (laughs) But uh, we're getting to that time of the year where the nights are starting to get cool. As soon as you've got less cloud cover like we've got at the moment, you know that the nights are going to be coolish and it's on its way to coolish. 49216216, that's the telephone number to have a yarn with Scott Sharp from Sharp's City Gardeners. They're at Alice Street and if you want to go in and say g'day, Scott would love to have a talk to you and uh, even Judy's mum might make a guest appearance from time to time. Yeah, we'll wheel her back out, don't worry about that. <laughs> and we've got Daryl from North Rothbury. Welcome, Daryl. Hello, how are you going? Pretty well. Is it getting cold up there at North Rothbury for you, Daryl? Well, actually, I'm a little bit... I'm just... I'm on the high side of town, so I sure I don't see as many frosts of people down on the lower side at you know, Brankston Way. But um, yeah, it's starting to shape up that way. Considering we're only in the last week of autumn, I think, aren't we? I think it is. Look, when it hasn't even hit yet. Look, we're down in Carrington, where I am. It's it's like I said, it's perfect all the time. So I. <laughs> Yep, it's pretty too. The seasons come, the seasons go, but it's just perfect over there. Yeah, well, it's beautiful over here today. <laughs> Actually, um, I'm hoping you might be able to help me out with a query, please. I've got a lovely um, Panama red passion fruit. Yes, you're not getting us back on topic, are you? This is fantastic. Actually, we're talking about plants now. What's the problem with your passion fruit? Well, actually... It didn't seem to have a problem. Actually, it's got some beautiful fruit on it. They're they're the size of a cricket ball. And I'd say on two vines that I've got growing along the trellis, which are only 12 months old, um, there's probably, uh, I'd say, 50 or 60 beautiful passion fruits on it, but it just doesn't seem to be ripening up. It, Some it, of them been there for a couple of months. Unfortunately, that can come down to you know climate that, that we that we have sometimes. So if you get unseasonal weather, all of a sudden they'll be you know you want them to ripen up now, but it's absolutely the, the wrong time for them to ripen up. The suns you know the days are shorter, the sun's going away, mm. it's getting cooler, so it's just not really going to work too well for you at this time and it's, there's nothing you can really do about it uh, you know we'll get a cold snap we'll get a you know a hot snap you know at a weird time of year and the plant goes oh geez it's time to flower and fruit and yeah. off it goes and it sets the train in motion but um, you know the, the train's going to get to the station at the wrong time of year for it and oh it's a shame because there's some beautiful fruit on it and everyone that comes over they're all waiting to get a hold of them and taste them. You, you can you can leave them on there. It's just it's going to take longer to ripen, and they probably won't be as sweet as they would be uh, as yeah. if they'd ripened up during summer. And you know the sun's on there, all those beautiful sugars and juices are fermenting inside there to give the passion fruit its taste. Uh, look, it might might be worth uh, thinning some of those off now because you know that a lot of them aren't going to ripen, and you don't want too much more energy going into that uh, fruit. Yep. So thin it out, leave some on there, you know, wait another month or so. If that doesn't work for you, thin it right out and prepare it again for uh, next season. Because um, a, a lot of the, uh, well, there's some there now that are starting to wilt and shrink, like, and taper in sort of thing, like the, 
I suppose the later ones that have been come onto the vine, they look like they were going to go, but now they're just seen starting to shrivel up. So it's um, so, certainly take those off. They're not going yep. to come good. Uh, okay. that, that's the result of the cold coming to them and, you know, perhaps too much water as well. Uh, so I'd, I'd definitely take those off and, uh, and thin out some of the other ones that aren't looking so flash and just see, wait what happens for a month and then if it's not working for you, just, you know, clean them all out and prepare for next season. Thank you very much for your time and your advice, thanks. Not, not a problem, Daryl. Thank you for calling. Gardening talk back on 2NURFM with Scott Sharp. It's 17 to 1. Felicity has an issue with agaves and frangipani. How can we help you with those uh, two very different plants, Felicity? Yeah, I thought I'd throw one in there for you. <laughs> um, so my agave, I've noticed, has um, white flecks all over the leaves, I guess you call them. Yes. Um, they're not rough to touch or anything, So, because um, I thought it was hail, but we haven't had hail here now for a while. Mm. So I'm not 100% sure what it is, if it's something that I've done or if it's something that normally happens and I've not seen it before. I've never seen that on agaves before. If it's not rough to touch, it's not scale or any insect that's on there. I think your idea of it being hail, that's the only time I've ever seen agaves get marked like that because they're a tough plant. Uh, but they're not used to having, you know, being broken or they're actually quite tender in a way. If you're transporting them, they're very easy to break, but if you leave them in your garden, they'll they'll never die on you. Uh, And I guess, uh, you know, over in Mexico, they don't get too much hail. And so that's the other thing that would damage the plant. So I would think that it it could even be, you know, just the power of the rain perhaps that we've had recently. Oh, okay, right. That could have even damaged them. We've had some pretty inclement weather. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I really can't see anything more than that um, would be a problem. As long as the new growth that comes out, uh, you know, it unfolds and it turns out to be normal, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. It's just going to be cosmetic for you, unfortunately. Once the new growth comes out, that layer of leaves should be covered back over by the next lot that unfurls and uh, tidy it up for you. So it's not anything that I... Because I do my own compost, but it's not like the hot compost that you see all the time. I just have dirt that I just put my veggie scraps and stuff in. So it's not something that I've been putting in... To my compost, is it? No, it wouldn't be. If you're going to have burning through compost, you'd actually find it starting from the inside, you know, from the almost the base of the leaf with an agave and okay. burning outwards that way. And it's the opposite if you've got a plant that's being burnt by the sun or it's drying out uh, from water stress, then the leaf will actually die from the outside back in. Uh, yep. you know, that, 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 that just makes sense. So if it's yep. a, okay. a fertilizer or compost burn, it's from the inside out and from heat stress, it's outside in. How about your frangipani? How can we help you with that? Um, yeah, so my frangipani, um, I'm wondering if I'm, uh, when's the best time to transplant it because it's in a pot, but I need to put it into a bigger pot. And I'm a bit confused as to whether it's now when it goes into dormancy or when it comes out at the other end. I'd do it now that it's going into dormancy. So that, you know, if you do disturb the root system in any way, it's not going to really harm the plant. It's not you know, drawing much nutrient up at the moment through there, so it's not going to harm it. That said, frangipani is about one of the toughest plants you can get. You know, you can just cut a, a piece of the branch off and let it dry out and then whack it in the soil. and It'll form roots for you, so I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Just be as gentle as you possibly can. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's, you know, a little bit pot-bound even. You know, it's filled out, so it's a nice tight root ball and it's easily trans uh, transplanted. If you wanted to, if it is tight like that, you could just gently rub the outside of the root ball. Uh, don't go and, you know, tease it out 
or anything like that. All I ever do is just give it a, a sort of a light rub just to tell the roots, hey, it's okay to spread back out now. Okay, right. Um, but yeah, frangipani, very easy to look after, very easy to transplant. Okay, so I shouldn't then be cutting off any roots if it is too uh, root-bound? No, I, w- I, I wouldn't do that. Oh. If you're putting it into a bigger pot, it, just giving it a gentle rub should give the the, uh, the plant the message it's time to spread back out again. Uh, I, I wouldn't go and you know do any heavy root pruning. It'd probably just set the plant back more than anything. Yeah, okay. And um, so you know um, the colour of the leaves as they are now when they're dropping, they're like that limey, yellowy colour. Yep. If I have that growth in the normal growing period, what am I deficient in? Uh, you, you could be deficient in almost everything with a frangipani. I would just use an all-purpose fertiliser, uh, okay. usually a liquid fertiliser if it's in a, in a plant pot or a slow-release fertiliser. Uh, you can use both. You can use slow-release every three months and every you know couple of weeks if you want to, you can use a product like Flourish. Uh, which is a liquid fertiliser. You mix that up in the watering can when you're giving it a water and just water it through as normal and you'll find you'll have a, a pretty good plant. It just sounds like it's generally hungry if it's got that uh, you know that very pale sort of uh, leaf uh, colour on it. Yeah, okay. No okay. worries. Thank you so much okay. for that, guys. Have a good afternoon. You too, Felicity. Appreciate it. See you later. Gardening Talk back with Scott Sharp. I thought you were hoping that Felicity might have had the famous agave grub in her agave so you could make some tequila. <laughs> Because then you could have said, ah, I'll tell you about that. I think you should bring a sample in. Yes, if she could do that. I was actually, I was uh, friends with a doctor and he had a patient who uh, had a still at home and made uh, his own homemade gin and took it to his doctor as some sort of I don't know, peace offering or something or just to get better treatment, I'm not sure. <laughs> and my a... friend, the doctor, brought it home and it was very, very nice. A homemade remedy. But, well, of course, tequila does come from yeah. the, the uh, worm it does. in the agave plant in Mexico. Uh, the gardening talk back where you hear it all here from gardening to tequila it's gardening talk back with a pretty good looking gardening guy too you know <laughs> scott sharp his mother uh, gave him some good genes and some gardening knowledge brian i'll bring Hello. you in at this point about your tangelo tree oh, brian save me i'm no oil painting i don't know what she's why she's saying this about me <laughs> how can we help you with your tangelo probably six months now yes. before the fruit was coming on the leaves were curling up uh, now the fruit's on, it's loaded overloaded I think mm-hmm. but they're very small compared to what they've been in the last few years and they're just dropping off like you know, I'm picking them up all, all every day so it sounds like the, the plant's just a wee little bit stressed there. What's happened when you've said about the leaf curl? It's probably had citrus leaf miner going through it. So, uh, look, just for uh, listeners, um, the tangelo is a, uh, a cross between, uh, the tangerine is a cross between a pomelo or, and a grapefruit. So it has a sort of a slightly different taste, I guess, to an orange or a mandarin. But They're nice when they are ripe. They yeah. take a long time. Yes. Uh, they're, they're people probably thinking <laughs> he's not eating his fruit, but they're, they're still bitter, you know, until about June, July. Yes, so what I would do, you, what you're going to do, need to do next year is make sure that you're controlling that citrus leaf miner and that leaf curl because the plant's getting a little bit stressed. It hasn't been able to absorb all the nutrients. It hasn't been photosynthesizing as well as it could be. I would thin out the fruit on the tree definitely do that if it's dropping thin it off, out yeah if it's dropping off naturally that's a message to you 
uh, look, Brian, you've got to go and thin the, the fruit out and give the ch- a chance to some of the fruit that's actually on there. You've said it's small. Give them a chance. Yeah, you've said it's small. And if there's so much on there, it won't be able to put the energy into that, uh, into yeah. that fruit. And look, uh, once you've got rid of, you know, if you get any decent fruit off it in June, uh, I'd give the plant a good prune back at that time to generate some nice new well, growth on there. It- I keep it well-shaped. It's yep. not very high. Good, good. It's, I keep it. It's a really nice shape. As I said, it's not high. You don't really... Because there's no good having a great big high tree and you try and get the fruit off it. Oh, no, it just drops down to the ground and rots and then you get fruit fly and stuff. It's, yeah, you only need a, a citrus tree that's a little bit above head height, I say, and you can feed the whole neighbourhood with it. Yeah. Okay. I, I feed the neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Brian. Good on you, Brian. Thanks for that. Cheers. Thanks a All lot. Right. G'day, Len. Yeah. How can we help you, Len? G'day. This is Len from Stockton. How are you, mate? Pretty well. How can we help you? Um, I've had capsicum um, plants in my garden for about three years, yep. and they produce capsicums, but they only sort of grow to about a third of the size of a normal capsicum. Yes. I've got some that go green and turn into red. I've got the, the green ones that sort of turn into a... Uh, black, blacky purple sort of colour mm-hmm. and I've noticed that the leaves are getting very uh, sort of dead and it's got fruit on it now but it's um, there's a lot of ants on the on so, the stem. So it, it could be that you've got scale on those plants and the ants come up to feed off that residue and the scale's just sucking the sap out of the plant. That's what what's probably deforming it. I've heard tell, though, if you've got, you know, chilies and capsicum, that they, you said that you've been, had them for three years. Does that mean they're the same plants you've had for the full three years? Yes. Yeah. I've heard tell that, you know, you keep them in for one year, then pull them out and start again because as you go on with consecutive years, the, uh, the fruiting and the performance of the plant certainly drops off uh, so I'd probably think about you know changing some of those over even pulling out half of them and changing half of them over and giving the others a spray and see what happens to them yeah because I thought while they're still fruiting I'll keep them in there but uh, it just looks like the sort of the leaves are dying off a bit and the ants are sort of running all over the stems you know yeah so it's, it's going to be scale so I'd certainly uh, give those a spray with a product called anti-scale and right. uh, that should get that under control for you alright and the other problem is um, I've got a passion fruit vine I put in a couple of years ago. Yes. And it grows terrific, 3,000 million, you yep. know, like flowers or that. But I've never had passion fruit. Uh, and you... I have did buy some things off you that you put in water and then you sprinkle it in and all that sort of thing. Anyway, I can't remember the name. Um, now, it's growing now and the main stem and then you've got sort of two or three metre stems coming, like branches coming coming off there. How, how far back do I cut those or do I leave them? Or You can certainly prune back your passion fruit if you want to, Len. Uh, it's not going to get much growth if you do it now, so I would wait till maybe mid-August to give it a good old prune back. Len, I'm sorry, mate, we're going to have to go. We might take it up next week for you if that's not a problem. We're just smack bang out of time today, but good on no, you and thanks for the call. That's not a problem. Cheers. Thank you so much. Scotty, thank you so much. I'll catch you next week. Not a problem.